Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Well, hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 156 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron. I'm recording this on December 5th, 2019, and I am thrilled that you're here. Today, I am talking to the fabulous Jeremy Spillman, and I like to try to get a little bit of a cross-section of people on this show. And he is a Nashville singer-songwriter who has translated those skills to writing a novel. And I just thought it was fantastic to talk to him. Uh, he was charming and sweet, and I could listen to that accent all day long, y'all. So I know that you will enjoy the interview with him. Hold tight for that. A couple of things just to update around what's going on around here. Um, writing continues apace on the thriller. It now has a working title for my publisher, Hush Little Baby, which I like a lot. I really do. Uh, there have been a couple books titled that, but nothing huge, and you can't copyright a title. So nothing huge, nothing recent. So hush, little baby, it will be HLB, as I like to call it. And yesterday I was lying in bed thinking about how I wanted to get a draft done in like a month. And you know, 4,000 words a day or so on the days that I write. And then I was lying in bed, unable to sleep last night, dreading my next 4,000 word day. I just don't like doing 4,000 words a day. Two to 3,000 is really comfortable for me. So you know what I did? If you're watching on the video, um, you can see me holding up my calendar. Uh, I just wanted to mention this. this is something I do a lot. And this is something I teach a lot is the art of rejiggering. When something becomes onerous, we 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 jigger, we rejigger it so that it is not onerous, so that it is not something to dread. Also, I learned in teaching that uh, British people say rejig. Isn't that interesting? They rejig things. We uh, Americans rejigger is how we say it. So I liked learning that fact. I rejiggered, and I'm going to get it done by the end of January, which means I only have to do 2,200 words on my writing days. And I was really honest when I do this, basically what I do is I print out a blank calendar. I do not look at Google calendar, which is what I use everything else for because that's too confusing. I print out a blank calendar and I do it on paper. I make X's through every day. I'm not going to write. I try not to write on the weekends. I know that I don't write on travel days, no matter how much I tell myself I will. I have a silent retreat in January no books, no phones, no paper, so no writing. So I will not be writing then. I'm traveling a lot of January. So I needed to take out those days and do the math. And then once I know how many days that are actually good writing time, where I'll get my one to three hours of writing on those days, uh, you can write whole books in just 30 minutes a day, people. I promise that's how I did it for a long time before I went full time. Um, then I can, then I've got new math and I've got new math to hit. And it is always okay to rejigger your goals. We do it a lot and relaxing around that and accepting the fact that things change and you're not doing anything wrong is huge. Speaking of not doing anything wrong, just about oh, an hour ago or so, I finished this 
um, course, this semester's course of the 90 days to done class that I teach. This was the, I do a 90 days to done class where you write your book in 90 days with me. And then I do a 90 days to revision class where you revise it. This was the first one, the writing the book and the people in it. Oh, my heart, my heart is so full. I, I can't explain what it is like to be the one witnessing the community coming together, this writing community coming together to support each other. And I cried during the call. I cried afterward when one of the people who just finished her book today, her first book today on the last day of class, uh, when she emailed me, I just feel incredibly verklempt and overcome. And again, this is a plea to you to find community where you are. I cannot write my books by myself. I mean, I actually could, and I did write my first one by myself, but I was, it was so hard. It's so much easier to do it with community. And you're already part of this one. So um, if you have not joined my Onward Writer Slack channel, do that. It's free. You just write your goals. People talk back and forth to each other. Uh, that link is always at howdoyouwrite.net and or on any place else you can find that or email me if you can't find a link to that Slack channel. One thing that is brand new community that I did want to mention to you is, I don't think I've said this on the show, but I'm doing this thing called Tuesday Morning Write-Ins with Rachel. And we just started it this last Tuesday and it was phenomenal basically what it is. You can join if you'd like. It's $49 a month. And for that price, you show up on Tuesday mornings in the United States and we write together for two hours. What happens is we show up in the Zoom room, simple app to use. Um, everybody can see each other and we wave at each other. And I talk a little encouraging talk to you for a few minutes. And then we share with each other what we are going to be working on. And then guess what? We write for about 45 minutes. We take a little coffee break. We go brush our teeth if we need to we do what we need to. And then we come back and we write for another 45 minutes or so together. And I know it sounds weird, but you can always flip over to Zoom and see people with their writing faces on. And it's really funny. I know my writing face is ridiculous. And my mouth is always moving back and forth. Of course, if you want to turn the screen off while you're writing, you can do that. But I really encourage leaving it on because nobody's looking at you. They're looking at their words unless they're glancing at you. And then you don't feel alone. You are writing together. You're not looking at Facebook. We already closed all that. Your phone is not within reach. It is the early morning and you're doing your work once a week on Tuesdays together. So if you are interested in that, go to rachelherron.com slash Tuesday, rachelherron.com slash Tuesday. It is so cool. And what was the other thing I wanted to tell you? Oh yes, it is hella early for West Coast of the United States. <laughs> I neglected to say this at the very beginning. We write from five to seven. And the reason we write right from 5 to 7 a.m. is because looking at all the United States time zones, then the East Coast is doing from 8 to 10. And I know that that really gets in the way of things like child running around and working. So that's about the latest that the East Coast can go. So West Coast, we're looking at 5 to 7. What that means is we have started basically hashtag smug club because once you do your writing, on Tuesdays, you wander around the rest of your day feeling completely smug because you have done this with community. And boy, do you sleep well that night if you live on the West Coast and have gotten up at you know, like 4.55 to get to the screen at five. You do not need to look good. Bed, head, and pajamas are encouraged. Please wear clothing of some sort. 
Um, it's really great for Europeans. However, it's about 2 PM for them. I believe I've got one or two Europeans attending New Zealand and Australia. You are effed. Unfortunately, I know that you're three hours behind me tomorrow. So that would be 2 AM for you. So I don't think we'll ever be seeing the Southern hemisphere in this particular iteration, but it is fun. So check that out if you would like to. I'd like to thank a couple of new Patreon subscribers. Thank you so, so much. Amy Tassicata. Hi, Amy. She upped her edit her. She edited her pledge to the $5 level at which I become mini coach for those mini podcasts. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Clint White is new as well as Johnston. Thank you again to all of you who support me on Patreon. It means I get to write the essays that I love and that I release nowhere else. Uh, None of these are out in the world yet. They are just on Patreon and they are about living your creative life. So thank you very much for that. So yes, I hope that your writing is getting done. You're getting a little bit. If you are not, if the holidays have you frazzled, sit down and rejigger it honestly. Really pay attention to the voice that says, oh no, you are not going to write on the day that Aunt Jane is coming into town because she's such a pain in the ass and you are going to be frazzled from the morning you open your eyes. Um, Perhaps you'll look at your calendar and write down those Tuesday mornings that you'll be writing with us. Hell, I don't even care. You don't have to come to the Zoom room. You could be writing at that time period, which is 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on your own, not in the Zoom, but knowing that there are a bunch of amazing people doing the same thing at the same time. So think about that. Get some writing done. Let me know how it goes. Thank you for listening. And please, please enjoy Jeremy Spillman. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. All right. Well, I could not be more excited to welcome today to the show, Jeremy Spillman. Hi, Jeremy. Hello. How are you doing? How are you, Rachel? I'm good. I'm glad to talk to you. And I'm looking really, I know that probably everybody says this, but I'm looking forward to your accent. Please (laughs) lay it on thick. Let me give you a little bio here. Uh, Kentucky born and bred, Jeremy Spillman moved to Nashville, Tennessee to pursue his dream of success as a songwriter at 24. It would be five years before he landed his first cut by a major label artist and signed a publishing deal. Since then, Jeremy has had songs recorded by Eric Church, Tim McGraw, Keith Urban, Reba McIntyre, Luke Bryan, and many more. Spellman lives with his wife and four sons south of Nashville. He considers his role as a father the most important in his life. When he's not writing novels and songs or recording music, he's supporting his sons at football and basketball games and spending time with his family at home. His debut novel, The Divine Devils, was released just this last September with an accompanying soundtrack EP and full cast audiobook. The music was written by Spillman with Nashville songwriters Randy Montana and Dean Dillon and recorded and produced by Spillman at his home studio. For more about his debut novel, The Divine Devils, and the soundtrack, you can visit him at jeremyspillman.com. Welcome to the show. Glad to be here. That sounds really, really cool, especially the soundtrack. Did you approach the book writing with a soundtrack in mind, or was that something that came after? Um, yeah, th- this is a very uh, convoluted kind of way to tell the story, but I wanted to make a certain kind of music. So I wanted to do like cowboy rock and you're allowed yes. to laugh. No, I'm, know, de- I'm deep into <laughs> cowboy country music. I'm, I'm an old school country music kind of girl. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. 
So I want to do a record like the Eagles Desperado record or like yes. Bad Company's Bad Company. And so there's just not much marketability for that in today's market, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, I thought, well, I'm going to write this story around this record and see if I could maybe scare up some something there. And so so I started uh, trying to write a story so I could make the music, but then the story kind of overtook the music and That's I ended so cool. up, yeah, the music ended up kind of becoming more of what the book was. It's not like a 180 from where I started musically, but it definitely, uh, the book became bigger than the music. So the music had to fit the book. That is not what I was expecting you to say. And that is really cool. And that makes me know that I'm going to download the album too, because that sounds what I love. I'm actually in a seventies band. We play yacht rock and some of that smooth How awesome. rock of that time. So what do you play? Yeah, I'm, I'm just a singer. Oh, I just well, that's not, show it's up. It's not with just the a singer. You're like the, you're the star. <laughs> I love doing it. But yeah, in my in my family, this is the kind of music we were raised with. So so you've been a Nashville songwriter, which is to me kind of super, super dreamy. Like that's the, live in the dream. Um, what how does the writing process differ? How does it feel different? I mean, it's obviously, you know, a song is three minutes and a novel is however much time of your life that it took. But how how else did it differ? It felt like, you know, uh, it felt like I was using the same muscles creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely learned I couldn't do both things on the same day. So it, it took five years to write the book. Mm-hmm. And, and that was with a couple of I got a cabin in the mountains by myself and like enough food for a week and a half and literally didn't leave. And that's how I finished it. But uh, it was, it, you know, for a songwriter, for somebody who's tried to condense their stories into three, three and a half minute things. It was, it was pretty liberating Mm -hmm. to be able to try to, you know, expand and expound on whatever character I was talking about. And, and, uh, I think like creativity feeds creativity. So I, I think writing a novel in some ways made me a better songwriter. And I think I, I don't, I don't mean this arrogantly, but I think maybe I had a little better grasp on, a, a book because I'm creative. I, I guess I'm saying Absolutely. I had a little better grasp on the creativity. I'm not that I, you know, obviously everybody wants to write the great American novel. Not that I did that, but I think I had a, a grasp on what I needed to do. That you are used to selling commercially something that you have born from creativity. So that you you were already over that hurdle. You're used to that. Whereas a lot of people can't quite blend their creativity yet with with presenting it in the world. So you must have had that also on top of it. So it took you five years to to write. Um, did you know where the book was going when you were writing it, or were you kind of following no. it? No. What do they call that? A pantsing. Uh huh. Were yeah. you pantsing? Uh, definitely pantsing. Uh, you know, I I had the concept. Uh, I knew uh, broadly how I wanted it to end, but no, I did not know details. They came as, as I was writing. Did you sell it beforehand or did you write it on spec and then sell it? No, no, I self-published. Oh, you self-published. Oh, that's even better. Yeah. Oh, yeah. how fascinating. I love that. Yeah. I am, I am a hybrid writer. I am um, traditionally and I self-published. So no wonder you got to really make this the, the dream of your heart then. Well, especially I, with the music know, around it. 
I've been in a publishing deal for two decades, a song publishing deal. You understand publishing. uh, Well, it is, you know, it's a different thing, but, you know, you're still selling your soul a little bit. Yeah. Uh, But um, I never talked to a publisher. There's a couple of uh, published authors here in Nashville. Uh, Ruta Sepetis is one that lives here. And and, um, I got to talk to them, kind of get their evaluation of their workload as a published author. And then I got to talk to a couple of self-published people who were doing well as self-published mm-hmm. authors. And, and I thought, you know, I just want to own something. Mm-hmm. So, um, I never talked to a publisher, you know, uh, who knows what would have happened, but, um, I proudly self-published it and we'll see what happens. I'm the same way with my self-published books. Um, the ones that I don't even offer to my agent, uh, the cover is gorgeous too. I just assumed you were a trad published because it's a stunning cover and you hired a publicist who contacted me about talking to you. So that's not the norm for indie writers. Well, we, I think because we live in Nashville, I have access to things like that. She's a friend. She's a, a professional publicist, but she's a friend and, uh, but the artist who did the cover was a lady from uh, North Carolina, Robin Volchnik. Mm. She's amazing. Like, and that was her concept. It's I literally, really, it's gorgeous. I told her, I said, I don't want two silhouettes of cowboys on the front, like every Western. Like, and I, she asked for scenes. You know, she yeah. wanted uh, important scenes in the novel, and she came up with that. So, uh, props to her. That's awesome. I've written a couple westerns and. My heart belongs with the Western genre. I think like I was, I, my, I, I broke teeth chewing on Louis L'Amour books, you know, and I've oh, read yeah. every single one. And I think I'll always be, I'll always love that. So what is your biggest challenge when it comes to writing? And this can be any kind of writing. Uh, well, I think it I, <clears throat> depends on what period I'm in. If I'm in, uh, you know, as a writer, uh, I'm, I'm not a, uh, even kill dude, I'm high or low. <laughs> yes. And so if I'm high, it's, um, it's kind of focusing myself on the task at hand. If I'm low, it's probably self doubt. <laughs> yes. uh, and I think that applies to the book and to songs, you know, I think that's a beautifully um, simple way of putting it. Exactly. Yeah. What is your biggest joy when it comes to writing? Again, I would say that that would change. I, I, I thought as a songwriter, like um, I always thought like having a few hits or or whatever, getting mm-hmm. a few accolades would. I, I still can say that my biggest joy is the process. And, and I think that process changes. Like I think when I started like writing the song was the joy now. It's more like the whole process, like recording the song and, and you know, producing the song. I, anything that I get to like really be creative at gives me joy. And, and the, you know, when something is successful, um, I'm not good at it. I've never been good at like feeling that, Mm -hmm. like I always don't want to think about it. I want to think about the next thing I'm doing. And, And I don't know if that's healthy or not, but for me, it's not healthy to look at, you know, what I've done or what I've got going on right now. Yeah. It's just healthy to, keep my head in the creative process. Oh, that's awesome. That makes so much sense. Can you share a craft tip of any sort with us about writing in any way? Uh, This is probably very elementary to somebody like you who's written a bunch of uh, Mm -hmm. books, but 
Uh, When I was writing the characters in my book, uh, I had a great editor, Alice Sullivan. She she was amazing. And, and, you know, I think, I don't know if this is normal or not, but when she edited the book, there was, she had over like 5,000 comments and some of them were good comments and some were bad comments. Pretty normal. (laughs) uh, I, I was good at, describing the big things, but I wasn't good at describing the little things. If a dude popped up, you know, that had was in a paragraph, she would say, Hey, give me something like, tell me he's got a handlebar mustache. Something. And so I think my, what I really learned from my editor was they have to see everything. And I know, I knew that in songwriting, like if they can't see the song, it's not going to, it doesn't work. It's in country music, especially. Uh But, um, but in the book, you know, I, like I wanted to, you know, wax poetic on these big scenes. But on the little scenes, I was just passing through. And she's like, uh-uh, no, I got to, you know, when I turned the the uh, the book into her, it was 89,000 words. And after we finished, the, we went through two edits, I guess. And it was over 100,000. Wow. So she basically had me add 11,000 words to the book. And that was all little tiny descriptive things. So. Oh, that was the lesson I learned. She does sound really great. She is amazing. At that. Oh my gosh. Okay. So what thing in your life affects your writing in a surprising way? I think, uh, <clears throat> my sons and, in uh, in a, in a weird way, they, uh, uh, they make you, they make me not be as selfish creatively. It becomes about, more than me it's like okay i'm doing this so they can have a good life so they can live in a good place and that does like i think after you've done something for a while you can lose some fire for it you know it's it it becomes old hat a little bit but that kind of lights my fire a little bit it's like okay i got these four boys i got to get through college i got to do all this stuff for that's why i'm doing what i'm doing now it's not just because i want people to think Jeremy Spillman's a brilliant writer like I did when I was, you know, in my twenties. Um, so I think having a family has very much been a positive influence on my creativity. I will ask you another question that is not on the list of questions that I sent you, but I was just looking over your bio. Um, I am sober 19 months. So, um, congratulations. Thank you. It's pretty, still pretty new to me. How does sobriety affect your writing? And particularly now, I'm very curious about country music because I find it sometimes in my first year of sobriety, it was actually hard to listen to country music because every single goddamn song was <laughs> about oh, what yeah. I wanted yeah. to drink. And you're surrounded yeah. by that. So how, this is just, just a personal Rachel question I want to know the answer to. How does that affect you? Um, so, um, so you've been sober 16 got, years. Is that right? It'll be, let's see, it'll be. 15 years, the 31st of October will be 15 years. Oh my gosh, this month. Wow. Yeah, I was so messed up when they put me in rehab, I didn't know it was Halloween. I probably would have stayed out another day, but, uh, (laughs) uh, (laughs) but, uh, you know, it was, the first year was pretty tough creatively. Um, I did all the things, I did all the things that you probably know about. I, I really did the steps. You know, I was single when I got sober, so I didn't date or anything for a year. Mm-hmm. I did. I had an old school AA <laughs> sponsor who, I mean, call me every day. Yes, do yes, the steps, yes. meetings and, yeah. every day. You know, mm-hmm. um, and I'll never forget. I had a, a buddy of mine who's been a good friend uh, 
for a long time. And he'd been sober. He's been sober a lot longer than me. But at the time, I think he'd been sober 10 years. And uh, there was this rock band <clears throat> that I'd always written with down in Atlanta. And I'd been sober six months. Mm. And so they called my publisher and they said, hey, uh, can y'all send Jeremy down to Atlanta next weekend? Uh, we got a bus. Like, we want to write with Jeremy. And so I freaked out. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, you know, it was a good opportunity, but I didn't know if I could do it because I'd mm -hmm. always that was party central. And um, and so I called this friend of mine who's in the business and had been sober for a while. And, and I really wanted him to go, man, you can't do that. You know better than that. Yeah. And so I, I told him the situation and he said, um, uh, I said, what do you think I need to do? He said, I think you need to get your ass to Atlanta. And I said, what? And he goes, dude, do you want to be a songwriter? And I'm like, yeah. And he said, well, then you're going to have to learn to, to handle this. Like, you know, if you can't be around alcohol, how are you going to be in the music business? Mm -hmm. So I, I made peace with that pretty early. Like, and I still, I mean, I was out on the bus uh, a month ago, you know, for four days with a band and a lot of drinking, some drugs. I mean, I just, they know I don't do it mm -hmm. and, and it's not a problem. Like it's, I've just learned to, um, if it gets too weird, I'll crawl <laughs> in my bunk. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll pull the curtain. Uh, There's an old timer I, in, in my group who always says, if the day gets bad enough, just go to bed. Yeah. Just go sleep and you'll wake up and it'll be tomorrow. A hundred percent. And and creatively, I think about where about at a year I learned to write again, but it took me a year um, because I pulled from that, you know, that ball of tension mm -hmm. that, you know, cause you're screwing up everything and mm -hmm. man, there's a lot of energy there. And there's <laughs> sure a lot is. Of good creative juices flowing there. But I think I had to learn to, pull from life. I think I had to learn to just use my brain instead of, you know, uh, being in some ways, I think it was cowardly. Like I, I was creating tension and uh, drama and things just so I could be creative. And I had to like actually stand up and, you know, try to be a good man and, and write from life as opposed to you know, screwing up everybody else's life to try to have something to write about. But, um, yeah, I think, I think for a year creatively it was really tough because I had to learn a new way to, a new, I had to go to a new well to draw from. Mm, I really like and how it, you say that. Yeah. Um, but congrats the, on 19 months. That's thank a big you. Deal. The thing that keeps flooring me is, is how strong my brain is now. I really thought I was losing it. Like I just, I thought I yeah. was getting dumb and I was getting dumb. I was literally killing brain cells and the way that yeah. they've come back and the way I'm able to write with so much more clarity and precision and energy 19 months later is still astonishing to me. So yeah. it's pretty exciting. That's one of the reasons it, I wanted you on the show. <laughs> and it just keeps getting, it, your brain will keep getting better. That's amazing. Like, <laughs> Oh it really does. It's so great. It's like one of the biggest, biggest benefits. And there's basically nothing but benefits in my life about yeah. it. So um, what is the best book you've read recently and why do you love it? 
Uh, I saw where you were going to ask me this question, and I'm nervous to answer, but but I'm, I'm going to say it. I, I always hate rooting for the big dog, but Where the Crawdad Sings is just blowing my mind. Like, her, yeah. that book, the writing in that book is so, like, the story's amazing, too. Uh, not taken away from the story, but just the, her use of language, just, mm. it, I mean, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted at how good it is. I'm glad you said it because I own it and I started a chapter and maybe I was in a bad mood. I didn't get past the first chapter and everybody says it's sublime. So I'm going to keep going. I hate just pick it up and start it over again. I hate rooting for I hate rooting for the big dog and like and when something's got so much hype I just naturally go uh-uh yeah. but it really it's worth it like she is she's really brilliant in that in okay. that novel. I look forward to sending you an email saying you were right. That <laughs> that'll be great. All right, what would you like to tell us about now? Would you please tell us about the book a little bit about what it's about, where people can find it, a little bit about the music. I'd love all of that. Um, so you can go anywhere books are sold online. You can go, um, find it and, uh, uh you can go to my website, Jeremy If you, for some reason would want to sign copy and buy one there. Um, and the soundtrack is on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, all those things. Uh, you don't have to download it. You can just stream it. So whatever, I, if whatever. I like something, I, I usually stream it on Spotify first, but if I'm going to play it a lot on Spotify, I always buy it. I'm old school like that. Well, and then you, you can stream like on Spotify without, yeah, exactly. It's it, it, then I can stream on Spotify to my heart's content. I never feel guilty, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the music was, I did it. I, I'm the band except the fiddle and the vocals. And so, uh, wow. we did it here in my home studio right here where you're interviewing me. And, uh, 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 Ross Holmes is the fiddle player. He plays for a band called Nitty Gritty Dirt Band. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> um, yeah, and he uh, and then Randy Montana is the vocal, the lead vocalist, and Ken Johnson's the uh, background vocalist. And and both of those guys are are humongous songwriters. Randy was an artist for a little while. You could you could find some stuff online about him. But um, yeah, we just had a lot of fun. Like it was fun for us as songwriters um, because we got to kind of get out of maybe the, the commercial, the commercial lanes are, are very narrow mm -hmm. as far as music goes. So mm -hmm. we got to kind of get outside of that, but I'm working on the audiobook now, which is full cast has music sound effects and it's, it's read by, it's narrated by my hero. Um, this, this name probably won't mean some, anything to you unless you're a huge country music uh, buff, but uh, Dean Dillon. So Dean's a Hall oh, no. of Fame songwriter. Yeah. He wrote all the old George Strait hits and a ton of other things. But Dean narrated, and uh, uh, yeah, it's very. I hope it works. It's what I wanted. It's very southern. It's very swanky. It's like you know, there's music coming and going. It's it's. I, I think it's a very original audio book in the way it's done. But that won't be done till I'm hoping. Uh, we get it out the middle of, of November. Wow, that's so cool. That is so cool. I'm so glad that you were on the show today. Can I ask you the dumbest question? Sure. That you may really roll your eyes and fall out of your chair. But um, do do people in Nashville or, or people like you, did you watch the show Nashville when it was on? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Now, some people do. Some people do. Um, I only watched the first two or three seasons and then it jumped the shark, but. I loved it. And I, I've got it. I'm going to Nashville next year for a conference in 2020. And I'm going to go to the Bluebird. And 
I think it was probably a good show. I had a song that was the uh, uh, on one of their commercials. I had a song that they used of mine on that I wrote with a band called Little Big Town. That was they used for for their promo for a while. But um, wow! But I think watching Nashville for a guy like me, it's like it's almost like if you if your job's picking strawberries, you don't want to come home and eat strawberries. Exactly. You know, exactly. it's, it was a little bit like that to me, but I'm sure it was a good show. I did not watch it because of quality or anything. I just, you know. there was a nine one one show also with Connie Britton, actually, who was in Nashville. And I can't, I, I did nine one one for years and I cannot, no, I do not want to watch that. So same thing. Yeah. Well, you're a delight. Thank you so much for talking to us today and um, happy writing. I'm going to run right out right now and grab the soundtrack. So awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks, Jeremy. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. You like Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.